And Tuesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Great Quarter Gals, our show here at Freight Waves that focuses on incredible women leading in the freight world. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, here with my co-host, Grace Sharkey. And you know what, Grace? We just we just have to like out it. The matching shirts. Can we just celebrate this, what's going on right now with this matching moment? Yeah. Uh, well, really what's happening now is what I like to call hashtag equality in swag, where JB Hunt, once again, uh, came out with the bejeweled hats and then sent us these wonderful t-shirts that focus on Janelle's Hunt quote. Uh, Let me tell you, women can get things done. And if you know anything about JB Hunt and their leadership, that is 100% true. And they're just so unique that we couldn't not wear these. I mean, I've never seen anything as cool as this before. So uh, all you logistics companies out there, you, you're going to have to step your game up because swag's really starting to get inventive in this industry. <laughs> 100%. And that was like one of the things that I asked everybody at Future Supply Chain about, right? Like, what is the best swag out there? And I think that this like very much takes the cake, right? Not only do you have one of the most incredible and influential women in transportation, Mrs. Hunt, Janelle Hunt, on this t-shirt, you have one of her famous quotes. And it was given to us by a female representative at JB Hunt as well. So if you guys missed the episode of Great Quarter Gals from the Future Supply Chain, of course, we knocked one off of our bucket list talking to Shelly Simpson. And then a couple weeks after that, Brittany Davey, who's vice president of marketing there at JB Hunt, reached out to one of our vice presidents here, Great Waves, David Bradford, and was like, hey, I want to send the girl something. And so last week, we ended up with these shirts. We ended up with this amazing handwritten note from Shelly Simpson. And Brittany let me know in an email that she just saw how Grace, me, and you just like leaned in when we heard Shelly to start talking about Mrs. Hunt and her influence and having getting to sit down with her in the fact that Shelly works in Mrs. Hunt's office at the JB headquarters. Yeah. So like it, it just all kind of falls into place. And so Brittany was like, we had to reach out and give you guys these shirts. So shout out to Brittany, shout out to Shelly Simpson, everybody at JB Hunt, because like these relationships are just absolutely invaluable with us here. Yeah. And it's like, this is a perfect example of how something that someone might see as small or maybe even, you know, it's swag. It's not bringing an incredible ROI, right? On paper. Uh, it, it motivates us. It shows women that, hey, you're included in this space. We want you included in this space and we're, we're proud to have you. So again, perfect, perfect uh, execution from JB Hunt as well. <laughs> it's awesome and it matters and it's great to have it. And so speaking about women being included in the space, we've got a really interesting article that we're going to touch on today from Small Business Genius and it breaks it down by the numbers male versus female CEO statistics. And this is something that I think is really, really interesting. That's why we're calling this episode of Great Quarter Gals, get us in the boardroom, right? Like put it, put us in there, put us in the boardroom. And so this article uh, was written in March of 2022, March of this year called The Leadership Gap, 20 Revealing Male Versus Female CEO Statistics. And it's so interesting to read because starting off, women account for 50.8% of the US population. So a fairly even split. of all undergraduate degrees, 60% of all master's degrees, but we only hold about 52% of all management level jobs. And once you go up to senior management or CEO level, that number drops off significantly, almost cut in half down to about 30%. This article is really, really interesting breaking down some of those statistics. Grace, what are some of the ones that really stood out to you? 
Well, first of all, one that I'm long-term invested in and just want to watch over the next 15 to 20 years is that 60% of women in in, in college. Uh, that's something I know has been touched on on even mainstream media, when, uh, issue with less men in college, more women. So it, these uh, different surveys should become very interesting as we start to see them grow their careers and start to take hopefully some of these roles. Now, there's a couple that I wanted to break down in particular. Uh, one was 37% of women versus 64% of men said that their companies provide information on career paths that lead to ex executive roles. So that right there is, uh, this is our way of pointing the finger, honestly, at, at the companies and the leadership behind them themselves. They want to make sure that this information is easily provided and that they know that there is a career path in front of them. I think when you see that 64% of men stat, there's probably a lot of meetings where their roles are being um, put out in front of them, where a lot of women, um, I believe somewhere in this uh, statistics or survey as well, touched on the administrative pathways. A lot of administrative pathways, accounting, don't lay that out for women as well, even though there's a ton of senior level and executive level jobs that you can have. We just had an incredible CFO on a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, so that one I'd like people to pay attention to. And then to follow up on that, male versus female CEO stats reveal that 59% of male employees aspire to become chief executives versus 40% of women. The reason I wanted to list that after that, um, and then actually one more to follow up, 60% of women believe they have the same opportunities to advance as anyone else at their workplace versus 74% of men. This is what we've touched on before in multiple episodes, that there's a lot of women who are raised and are put into environments that actually don't push them to excel in their career. So to just say, well, how come women aren't raising their hands and doing it? A lot of them aren't raised or put into situations or are have the same opportunities as men that tell them that they should believe in themselves and that they should be going towards these roles, right? So those statistics in particular really drove me because it showcases that it's going to take, again, leadership putting their hand out, saying that we need you, you represent what we're, what we're working towards, we, we want to create a career path for you, because women just aren't, that extra 15% that's remaining to make that closer to equal, it's not going to happen without someone actually extending their hand. Um, one other thing I want to touch on quickly, because we want to talk about money at the end of the day, right? Your business is about making money, bringing more back to, to shareholders. Well, there is one interesting statistic that I put in here. 16 female CEOs uh, in a study earned $13.6 million in 2020, compared to $12.6 million for 326 men. So immediately you're like, okay, whoa, 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 what happened to this wage gap, et cetera? Are, are we having to pay more to have these women in these seats? Well, an interesting stat also brought up in the study is that businesses with high representations of women in leadership roles have a 35% higher return on equity and a 34% higher total shareholder return. They're making their companies more money. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's like clappable, happy to see, because I don't want someone to see that first stat and say, well, what happened to the, the, chain, the gap, right? And, and pay. No, 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 no. They're bringing a higher return at the end of the day. Moving forward off of that stat, something that stuck out to me, not necessarily from this article, but in my reading about this, is that 
women who found companies and who seek venture capital and investments from this have a much harder time seeking that capital. So often when they find a VC investment or when they find a very strong investor to support their company, they then turn over and they work extremely harder to kind of almost prove their worth of that VC investment. And that's something that I think is really, really interesting. And it feeds into the statistic, which stuck out to me, is that male versus female CEOs, and mind you, this study was from 2020. So the burnout statistics are probably a little bit different now with the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. But the statistics, the survey said that 39% of senior level women burned out compared to 29% of men. So a 10% difference in the amount of burnout reported in the workplace. And that just tails straight into the fact that I think a lot of these women who take on these CEO roles, whether that's founding a company or whether that's going into this company, feel as if they have to work incredibly hard to prove themselves over their male counterparts. And that's not Mm -hmm. to mention the secondary weight that gets put on a working woman's shoulders, whether that's being the CEO in your company and then coming home and being the CEO of your kids or coming home and being the CEO of your family as well. It's this double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And I think that that contributes to the burnout factor a lot as well, is that women in the workplace, traditionally, if you want to have the best of both worlds, right, you can't just keep yourself working in the workplace. You end up working at home. You work in your car taking the kids Mm -hmm. to soccer practice. You work while you're working to make dinner and to support your family in the home as well. And that's something that I think is kind of on the way to changing, right? Whether that's with how work is accepted now in our society or how a lot of now working jobs will support these women in leadership roles, but it's also something that has a ton more progress to make in making those allowances to say, you know what, let's take a little bit of the weight off your shoulders and allow you to move forward without that weight on that's holding you back. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've definitely been in spots too where you you almost take on extra work sometimes because you want to almost uh, showcase your skills uh, you're you're almost making up for the bias. A lot of women do that. There's you know, that bias out there that they, they can't work as hard. So then you overwork yourself. And that has its repercussions too when it comes to your own mental health, how you're treating others in the workplace and, and how your relationships are in and outside of work. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot more to go. But I, again, I, I always want to go back to that 60% in, in schooling stat because I think right there, that's going to be the payoff over time. And I'd love to start seeing some of these surveys 20 years from now when you you see that higher education starting to, to pay off. Absolutely. Maybe that's something that we'll put on our on our to-do list is make survey 20 years yes. from now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Hello, sorry. yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to <laughs> welcome our guest. And now our guest today is someone who joined the Freightways ranks about two months ago. And she's one of my like big, biggest journalistic inspirations, I would say almost. I followed Rachel Premack's work when she was at Business Insider and followed her growth in the trucking and logistics space as a writer. And then as someone who's like really not afraid to kind of stir up some controversy and ask the hard questions. And so Rachel, it's great one to have you on the Freight Waves team. And it's really great to have you as part of the Great Quarter Gals now cast of characters, because I think after two months on the job here at Freight Waves now, you've kind of got your feet under you and you're starting to really contribute in a really meaningful way to us. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on the team. We're excited to talk to you. Hey, thanks so much. And thank you for all all your uh, kind words. I'm really excited to be working with you guys as well. 
No, I love this. And uh, a big fan of of everything that you've done. I remember one of, uh, I think you reached out to me on, on Twitter when I first started doing this job. And uh, I, actually, the first time I ever saw you was at a Freightways event. So for me, when you reached out to me and, 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 and pointed out my work, I was like, fangirling for a little bit of that day. Okay. Well, <laughs> it feels, it goes back to all everything that we talk about, you know, being those small actions can really help motivate people to, to really advance themselves in their career. So really excited to have you on board a part of the team and at Freightways, we just hire really strong women, right? It's perfect. That's true. <laughs> and our new EIC, uh, Meg Scarborough, also, also a woman. So yeah, there's definitely, Definitely a lot of good stuff happening at Freight Waves for, for women, I'd say. And yeah, going back to what you just said, Grace, uh, about the um, the comment about just like how small actions can really just help motivate you. I can definitely think of a few times in my career where someone reaching out has been really helpful. Um, there's uh, the current logistics reporter at Business Insider, Emma Cosgrove. She's been covering logistics for much longer than I have and just being able to talk to her and her even sending the occasional kind of like you got this kind of message just like really really helps solidify things. Um, it's just it's just great to be able to. It's great that we're all kind of like supporting each other and helping each other out and available to vent and and all that. So Rachel, let's talk a little bit about your journalism story growing up and kind of development from Business Insider and moving to Freight Waves and developing kind of the trucking and logistics following that you've got now. You carried over a really huge following from Business Insider to Freight Waves. And I think that that supports a lot with what we're trying to do in the industry as well. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to get into writing about trucking and logistics and how that's moved into your current role now? Yeah, so... I have always wanted to go into journalism. I'm really glad it didn't work out. Or I'm glad it did work out rather because I did not have a uh, backup plan, which, you know, people going into kind of risky fields should probably have backup plans, but I did not have one. Um, so I graduated, uh, Grace, cover your ears. I graduated from the University of Michigan. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, I worked on a newspaper and I had a few internships in college. And after, um, you know, when I was, you know, 22, I guess. Yes. I had just turned 22. I had just graduated from college a few months prior and I decided to move to South Korea to be a freelance reporter. And I was there for a year and a half covering, uh, business and economics in Korea. Uh, that was around 27, it was 2016 to 2018. So I was, I was in Korea during those years. And then at a certain point, it became clear that I needed to get like a regular job because I was, you know, working off freelance connections I had as a 22 year old, which were not, uh, not really paying the bills. I mean, they were paying the bills, but, um, my retirement account was, needed a little attention, let's say. I was not saving any money, just kind of like very much living paycheck to paycheck on that freelance salary. Um, so I decided to move back to the US and get, you know, kind of a quote regular job. Um, and that was in 2018. I started at Business Insider on their career section. So that was more focused on it's a lot of actually writing about like resume tips. And part of that, part of the job was also writing about people with interesting jobs and kind of taking a more of a macro perspective of what's going on in the job market. So kind of like three jobs rolled into one. 
Um, and really coincidentally, in my first month there, I started writing about truck drivers. I wrote one story about the truck driver shortage. And I got a lot of angry emails from truck drivers telling me I got the story completely wrong. So I wrote a second story on this thing called the ELD mandate that they kept talking about, not realizing what a landmine I was stepping on. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I wrote that piece. I put my email at the bottom. And I think I literally got an email like every minute from truck drivers saying, you know, thank you for writing about this, you know, and talking really about the ELD mandate and mainstream press. Um, and it was just great. It felt like I, I, I found a niche that people weren't really talking about and, but still affected millions of people. So, and really, you know, the entire economy because we all rely on truck drivers. So that's how I started on trucking. Um, and for the first, for the first few years, I was definitely focused on trucking as well as um, Amazon, UPS, FedEx, kind of those little, those, uh, not little, those delivery wars and kind of the parcel wars going on there. Um, and in the last year, I've kind of expanded more into ocean and shipping because that's definitely where a lot of the conversation is headed right now. Um, it has been headed for the last year and a half. So yeah, I think my my favorite thing to cover is definitely still truck drivers and what's going on on the labor side. But I like to learn about other sort of logistics topics as they come up. Outside of that labor aspect, and I mean, now you're between the guru and the maritime uh, arena as well. What other areas really interest you, even especially as like a day-to-day consumer, uh, now that you, you know, have all these incredible resources behind you and, and people to pull from, what areas are you hoping to like learn more about and touch on more in your newsletter modes? Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun. So one thing I want to write about is something that, so okay, this is really random, but I was looking at our freight wave sonar data, and apparently one of the biggest imports that we have—not one of the biggest, but it's between like it's just above socks, so it's it's pretty big. I would say the, one of the biggest categories of containers coming into the U.S. is something called the JoJo Siwa box, and I'm so confused. Yes. Right? Isn't that so confusing? <laughs> and I've been meaning to dig what? into this. I feel like. It's might just be like a huge misclassification and it's just like Mattel or some other toy company that like is calling it this thing when it's actually that thing. And I don't think there's a lot of like public outrage or intrigue about this, but I'm so confused. Like are American consumers <laughs> importing that much JoJo Siwa? I don't even know if that's how her name is pronounced. I don't think I've ever said her name out loud. No, I'm just like it's right. It's very like, accurate. And it we need like, to find out this happening? answer. <laughs> It's just like like the entire container is just filled with like massive sparkly scrunchies. Like that's yeah, that's bones. the entire thing. It's the JoJo Siwa box, right? Why? I have no idea. Yeah. I need to know. I was just scrolling through, and you know, you have like socks, shoes, apparel, like tires. I, I don't even know tires. I'm sure tires is on the list. Like really basic commodities, and there's just JoJo Siwa box, and I. I'm just so confused. I need to learn more. That <laughs> out of left field. Um, no, but I want to learn more about rail. Uh, Joanna Marsh is our rail correspondent for waves. And it seems like there, there's definitely a lot of, um, I know that there's discussions with the national transportation service board about what's happening with rail uh, performance is declining. Uh, whenever she writes about, you know, spats on that side of the equation. There's definitely a lot of interest. 
Um, I think part of that comes from a lot of union interest from people who work in the railroads. Um, but yeah, getting more into rail is something that interests me. I have written very little on rail uh, at this point, four years into writing about logistics. Um, and then another completely random tangent I'd like to dig in on. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen on, do you guys know about the seed oil discourse on Twitter right now? Yes. I okay, I just, found myself like lost in the sauce on it the other <laughs> night. It's yeah. the best way to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. So I will I will give a brief introduction to the uninformed. So the idea is that we use too much uh I'm not sure if this is the full list, but canola oil, sunflower oil, I think palm oil is also one of the um bad actors. Basically anything that's like a mixed vegetable oil is causing all of these health problems. It's kind of like the new thing that's causing all these health problems. But the interesting thing that the thing that interests me about the seed oil discourse is that my I don't know if I should like reveal his medical issues, but my dad basically got his gallbladder taken out and my grandma got her gallbladder taken out. So I'm expecting at some point that I'm going to need to take my gallbladder out. And because of all of that, um, my dad growing up was always like, we do not use canola oil in this house. Canola oil is the worst. It's like, we're not allowing it here. Like, and I never cooked with canola oil, but sometimes when I go out to eat and they do use canola oil, I definitely have like a stomach ache after. So anyways, I want to figure out what the logistics angle is on seed oils because I, I can imagine that canola or some of these other oils would be more easily transported than butter or lard or things that requ would require reefer. Um, so that is my other two things that are completely random and then rail, which is a completely normal thing to cover. So that is my long winded. <laughs> See, I love that. And I think a lot of the seed oil discourse, I'm just going to like throw you ideas here. You got to talk a lot about like, like the palm oil. A lot of palm oil comes imported from South America because there's a ton of rainforest deforestation that happens to produce that palm oil. And a lot of that has to happen. You know, you tie it back into climate change, you tie it into deforestation, into species decline. Like orangutans live where you find palm oil and like they're like one of the most threatened species by palm oil production. So I love that. I would love to read it. Okay. Okay. I'm moving it up, up my list for sure of things to cover. <laughs> Rachel, we only have a couple minutes, but I'm interested to know, is there anyone in the space, either here at Freight Waves or just in general as a journalist, as kind of this B2B writer that really you look up to and kind of you see mentorship in? A lot of our guests here have gotten where they're too just by having that strong mentorship. Is there anyone that you kind of follow their way or follow their path? Yeah, there are a few people. So Emma Cosgrove, who I just mentioned, is like a really great logistics reporter. And I love, I really love her work. Um, Joe Weisenthal at Bloomberg, he was previously at Business Insider and like myself, and now he is, you know, a podcaster and host of the Odd Lot Show at, at Bloomberg. And I think we kind of have similar sensibilities of what to cover. And we kind of have shared kind of interest in what we cover. So it's, it's great to be able to kind of like bounce ideas off of him and, you know, talk to him about uh, sort of journalistic ideas. And then it's more of like a peer mentor, but uh, my former coworker at Business Insider, Kate Taylor, we also kind of similar sensibilities of what to cover. So I love, 
uh, getting in touch with her and asking, you know, what she thinks about this story idea or that story idea. She has no relation to the logistics world, but it's great talking with her. And then I feel like I could shout out like 50 more people. But the last person I'll shout out is Katie Thompson, who was my editor at Business Insider for um, like five very short months. I wish I wish she could have been my editor for um, the entire time I was there, but she is now um, the executive editor at Business Insider. And she is just like, she was a great boss. She was just like so encouraging. She was so enthusiastic on what I wanted to cover. Um, you know, love to write for the internet, great headlines. Um, and, and yeah, she's, uh, those four people that just come to mind right away, but there's probably like 50 other people I could mention for sure. (laughs) That's incredible. And, you know, it's, we just brought this up too. Like the fact that, you know, when we talk about our mentors as women, it's always someone that's raising you up and telling you that you can do more than you're already doing and, and making sure that you are thinking about your career and becoming better moving forward, where a lot of times the, the male counterpart is someone who's, you know, kind of more authoritative. And, and mm-hmm. so it's it shows you right there, almost wraps the whole, the whole uh, episode together, that when it comes to yeah. women, they need to be managed and led differently in order to to fix that leadership gap we're experiencing. So... I love that, Rachel. And I'm so happy that you're on board and it's making this whole team a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah. We're all wrapped that episode up with a giant JoJo Siwa-sized sparkly bow. So Rachel, thank you for being here. (laughs) Go give her a follow on Twitter. If you haven't yet, go read her stuff up on FreightWaves.com. We'll catch up with Rachel later on, I'm sure, basically anywhere that you can find any of our FreightWave stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in for today's show. As always, again, wishing that we had more time, but you can catch all of our episodes (laughs) on demand on tv.freightwaves.com. We'll see you next Tuesday right here at three o'clock on FreightWaves TV. Have a great Tuesday. One, two, three.